Hey everybody, Josh Sheridan here with the Barely Legal Podcast. They demand my alter ego, but I won't go. Because On today's show, we have Tim Cronin. He is a local musician, uh, plays in a number of pretty amazing bands. Uh, we've been Facebook friends for quite some time. Uh, he kind of knows a lot of the players in the scene locally and has played with them in various incarnations of different bands. And uh, we uh, connected on Facebook and I said, come on in here. And he made the drive today from what were Dade City or no, uh, Newport, Richie, Newport, Richie. Yeah. OK. All right. So uh, I don't I wonder if Newport, Richie people are offended by Dade City and vice versa. Well, I mean, it's it, I mean, it's pretty much opposite ends of the county. So <laughs> it, it's, it's true. And every time I have to drive to either one of them, I feel like I'm leaving the state. Which it's <laughs> Pasco is kind of its own little its own little culture. <laughs> I was having this conversation. I think it was. Was it with Owen Meats or something? We were talking about the Pasco music scene. That Pasco's okay. kind of got its own little. It, it does. It, it, it's, it's got its own little microcosm of. Uh, and for a while, I was covering it. Um, I was. I used to do this blog for uh, Newport Richie Patch, where I was trying to, at least on the West Pasco scene, cover as much ground as I could. Because at the time, there were a lot of bars having live music, right? And it was. It was one of those things where. Unfortunately, even though there was still, you know, uh, social media and all that kind of stuff, there weren't enough people advertising what their live music was. And oftentimes what would happen is like you'd call a bar, ask who's playing this weekend. And, you know, the bartenders would be like, oh, I don't know. I'd have to check with the manager or they'll say like, "Eh, it doesn't matter. They all sound the same anyway. (laughs) So whoever happened upon you just by chance would be how you get people watching you. You couldn't find it on social media or any of these other things like you can yeah, today? Some places were better than others. Yeah. Um, some places had, you know, full calendars either online or, you know, they would print them out and you could go to the venue and, you know, take it home or whatever. But it wasn't it wasn't all encompassing. And I was like, that needs to change. Right. So I started doing that. And then about a year later, I joined up with GoTonight.com and started working with them. And they list live music all over the Tampa Bay area. Right. So them having a Pasco uh, representative help them out. And I, and I was able to, you know, sort of, it was, it was a very symbiotic relationship with them. Right. Now, are you a Pasco person originally or? Well, I'm originally from Chicago. Oh, really? Yeah. But I, uh, I moved down here in 2005 to uh, get my feet wet in the scene around here. Were you playing up in Chicago? I only played one actual gig in Chicago. It was with an original band that I had joined up with a buddy of mine from college. And we played like unsigned band night at a place called the Elbow Room in Chicago. What was Chicago. the name of that band? That was called Unintentional Status. Unintentional Status. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a name that the, the my college friend Brian Tomry came up with. All right. What type of music was that? It was it was very much a straightforward, like bluesy, hard rock kind of sound um, influenced by... Pretty much everyone you'd expect, Zeppelin, The Doors, Pez, right. bands like that. Chicago's got a pretty intense music scene. I mean, obviously, jazz goes goes back a ways Jazz, there, blues, and then, yeah. Um, I'm a big Wilco fan. And, Wilco's you know, great, of yeah, course. Yeah. Who else is from, from the neck of the woods? Oh, geez. I mean, we could go on for a long time about that. I can't think... I can't... I, when you put me on the spot like that, I can't think this off the top has, of my head. <laughs> no, it's this is a phenomenon that happens in this room. Everybody's memory just kind of fades on on whatever it is I ask them to remember. Yeah, but I mean, there's 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 sticks was from there. Chicago was from there. The Chicago the band. I actually saw. Did I see him playing? No, I saw Chicago play in Boston. Oh, <laughs> I, did I see Boston play in Chicago? I don't know. I that's Chicago a good play in Boston. <laughs> 
Maybe I was in Kansas. I don't know. Ah, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, 2005, you moved down here yep. solely to play music down here? Pretty much, yeah. So, what about this area drew you to come and play music down here? My dad had a co-worker who had a brother who was uh, in the music scene. And so, that was sort of like, I figured it would be kind of my foot in the door. Right. And it, in in many ways it was, but it took a while to get there. I had started going to his open jam session. Okay. And... Uh, he, you know, he was impressed. At the time, I was more playing guitar. I more, I more play bass now. Okay. But at the time, I was more into playing guitar, and he was, he was, he was impressed by me. And I was this young hotshot, twenty two, twenty three year old at the time. Yeah. But he didn't really have a spot for me, and he could. And, and this was a blues jam, so it's like mostly going to be a whole bunch of old dudes, right? Yeah. Playing that stuff. So he was like, oh, I don't know where it can fit you. But then eventually, his lead guitarist in his band quit, and I joined up with him. We ended up going on to do quite a few cool things. Um, two, the two big highlights of that band would probably be uh, after Hurricane Katrina hit, we organized a big benefit for that, and we raised something like forty, fifty thousand oh, dollars. A lot wow. more than I would think. Wow, a lot more than I would think for you know a small local That's band. Awesome. Yeah, but you know anything that helps, right? Drop in the bucket, maybe, but it helps. And I then think it's forty or fifty thousand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the other big thing was we got to. Open for Johnny Winter. Oh, that wow. was that was amazing. That is a big deal, yeah. especially in certain niches. I mean, that's uh-huh, like uh-huh. yeah, yeah, for sure. And the and the op- and and the the audience loved it. Yeah. We, you know, opening crowds are, are crowds can be kind of funny about opening bands. Like sometimes they like them, sometimes they don't. These guys loved us. I had my own cheering section at the end. That's of it. awesome. So when did you pick up a guitar? I was. 16 or so when I first started playing. Was it dad's guitar? Or was it was my it? mom's guitar, actually. Mom's guitar. <laughs> Good call. Good call. Okay. What, acoustic, electric? Yeah. She had she had an acoustic. And she's, I'm left-handed, so oh. I was playing her thing. I was playing her stuff backwards for a while. That's what, I don't know if you heard the John Nowicki uh, interview from the Holy Terror, but that's what he does. He right. Plays a, he plays a right-handed guitar strung for a right-hander upside down so he ah. plays all the chords upside down and backwards that's how i started out learning but then i kind of wanted to do the quote-unquote proper way where yeah. you know the low strings actually on the top or whatever and so eventually i got my own guitar right and it just went from there okay and who were your music heroes at 16 very early days i was kind of a one-track mind i loved rem like Oh, yeah, sure. And then after that, it would be like Stevie Ray Vaughan, Led Zeppelin, a lot of the usual classic rock songs, best the Who, Santana. R.E.M. has a very specific guitar sound to it. They do. Um, Yeah. uh, You know, uh, Peter Buck and give me the other name. Uh, Mike Mills. Mike Mills. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Both of them, as far as a bass player and a guitar player, you know, there, there was almost kind of a bluegrassy, folky. Oh, yeah. You know, very kind of uh, tinny guitar they, they i mean they were they were the product of where they came from from you know they're they were a small town college town band athens georgia yeah so they had a little bit of sort of the new wave flair that was going on in there and then they also had a little bit of the general americana sort of americana folk very, country vibe yeah i think they'd be thrive today in the whole jason isbell drive-by truckers oh 100 like, i think they were so far before their time like very much so very much so i mean really hitting when you when you listen to wilco you hear the rem influence you know for you sure. said you like wilco yeah for sure so uh in high school were you in bands in high school i was actually in uh more drama classes than anything oh, okay yeah so i did so theater. the arts have always been your oh yeah i mean i've been singing since i was like seven years old my first 
quote unquote gig was like at a church. I was singing. I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus with a big teddy bear yeah. in my hand. Is there a video of that somewhere? Uh, probably not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there is audio tape of the first big, big show I did with a, uh, I did a, I was in a choir called All God's Children and we performed. I was all of nine years old at the time. We performed at Chicago's Orchestra Hall. Oh, wow. That was really cool. So uh, after high school, what do you do? After high school, I kind of took off of school for a while and didn't really do much of anything except play guitar, actually. Yeah. And then got into college, started meeting some like-minded people, like-minded musician friends. Uh, which which school? College. College was uh, University of Illinois Chicago, UIC. Okay. okay. And uh, yeah, I found a lot. I found a lot of like-minded friends there. Were there clubs that you could play at up there? Was there you know open mics, any of that kind of stuff? I know you said you only played there once. But. Yeah, we. I did a couple of open mics, mostly with my uh, my high school friend JP. We played uh, up in the Lincoln Park neighborhood. I forget the name of the bar I love now. The Lincoln Park neighborhood. Oh yeah, oh, some yeah. good Greek food there. Oh, there's Greek food everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, played there, and then there was a little place in Pilsen that uh, we did open mics at. So, yeah, we would hit open mics occasionally. Okay. And then there was the Elbow Room show. Before the Elbow Room show, when I was still playing with that guy, though, uh, it was just him and me as a duo. I was playing bass. He was playing guitar. So you had already made the switch to bass by that point? I don't know if I'd call it a switch. I kind of play both at yeah. the same time. Yeah. But he needed a bassist, and I was kind of fiending to try out bass for myself. Right. So it was like Memorial Day 02. I finally bought my first bass and I still own that bass. What was it? It's a, uh, just a Squire uh, with a PJ. Like a P bass. Yeah. P bass, yeah, jazz yeah. bass kind of set up. Yeah. And it's in the shop right now. Guitar repair of Tampa Bay. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Plugging them. They're gr- they're great. But yeah. Do you I do want- stand up or is it always? Oh God, no. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, I leave that to the professionals yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Fretless, that, that that's a whole other world. It, it fretless. I'd love to get my hands on a fretless stand-up basis. Whoo we? Yeah, yeah. I mean, for one, it's tough to find a a good lefty one. To find a lefty one to to find a car you can fit it into. That to, too. You know, yep, find yep. a doorway you can walk it through. I mean, there's any <laughs> yep. number of uh, things that get in the way. There's of, a good of, chance of that, that that thing would stay at home for right, sure. Right. 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 So has the music that you've played professionally in these bands, has it always been kind of a bluesy type of thing or have you played in different genres? I, I started out playing blues and then it became more of a classic rock thing. And then uh, as I as I progressed, it became kind of everything, I, whatever, whatever I was needed for, I would play, whether it was, you know, country, blues, rock, pop. It didn't matter. I was singing, too. Oh yeah, yeah. Cause yeah. You get the pipes, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I've been, yeah, I've been doing that either leads or backups, either way. So then, um, once you come to Florida, tell, kind of run me through the bands that you've been in and the ones that you're playing. Ooh, <laughs> that was a lot. It's a long list. Well, I, I think, I think the anyway. running tally is something like fifty five or fifty six. Oh my god. Yeah, it's it. I've played. You're I, almost like a session musician. I kind, I kind of, yeah, I kind of consider myself sort of the six degrees of separation of like maybe 75 percent of all the right, cover well, Maybe scene. don't go through all of them, but yeah. maybe give me some of the 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 bigger ones. Uh, well, I've got, I've actually got a list. I'm not going to go run through the whole list, but um, I already mentioned unintentional status. Trial Run was the other band I was in, though that was more of like a a recording project with my high school friend JP. Right. Um, the first band I was in, I mentioned Johnny Wybars and the Shovelheads was the name of that band. Uh, then there was CFM. CFM was fun because we got to do a rooftop show in honor of the 40th anniversary of the Beatles rooftop oh, wow. show. Yeah. And of course, today being John Lennon's birthday, right. I figure it's 80, right? 
He would have been 80. Yeah. Crazy. I know. And, uh, yeah. So we did a, we did a rooftop show down at a place called the Cockney Rebel in St. Pete Beach. It's not there anymore. I it's, remember the Cockney Rebel. It's, it's like a Thai restaurant yeah, now yeah, or something yeah. like that. So we got up on the roof. Like all s- great Irish and English bars, they become Thai restaurants. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we set up on the roof. We had all, all our gear. And just like the actual rooftop show, we got shut down by the cops. Oh, man. <laughs> and no, they no liked one it too. A permit or called it in or that was, that was just it. We didn't have a permit. Okay. Okay. So they were like, you know, we really like you guys, but uh, we got to shut you down. Like, okay, fine. Yeah, beach communities are notoriously shitty and love to call the cops for any unfortunately yeah. it is what it is yeah but it was still a fun show that was cfm that was yeah cfm and that just stood for cronin fiore moondog literally just the last names of the there three guys go. in it that makes sense um and then there was circle sky circle sky was probably the 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 band that got got my name more out there than sure. anything that was the one where you know we did Big, bombastic, classic rock shows, even though we were just a bunch of young bucks in our 20s. Right. And we ended up doing things like... Yeah, what, big, are, the, what are the numbers that always get the crowd going? Uh, well, at the time, we started doing, probably around 2009 or so, we started, just on a whim, doing a whole bunch of Pink Floyd and started doing the entirety of Dark Side of the Moon live. Oh, wow, that's pretty badass. That ended up becoming sort of a full-on tribute thing that we did. So, like, in September of 2010, Pasco put together a thing called Rock Timberfest, and we played all of Dark Side of the Moon to a crowd of probably like 2,500, 3,000 people in Sims Park. Wow. That was a great time. That's amazing. I was talking to uh, Sean O'Brien yesterday, and he was telling me about uh, Have Gun Will Travel doing the last waltz, doing like oh, that yeah. all in entirety. That sounded pretty amazing. So oh, I, it uh, must have been. Yeah. 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 So anyway. And the band, and that band is perfect for the sound of the band. 100%. Yeah. They're, they're great. They're cool guys. So after Circle Sky, then where do you go? Circle Sky, um, I mean, there were there were a few there were a few little bands in between. There was uh, Blues Vendetta was just a one off. Sonic Dali was a one off. Uh, JTM was a one off. There were a couple others like Hope Darling. I played a few gigs with. They were fun. That's a and Hope Darling is an original band. They've gotten uh, quite a bit of recognition themselves. That's worth to look them up. Uh, then there was oh, Jersey Dirt was just a country band. The next big one probably would have been the Danny Brantley band. Okay. Um, I think you know Danny. I think so. I, at least. At so, least on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Brant- Brantley was another one that really got my name out there in a big way because prior to prior to Brantley, I was either playing a lot in Pasco or back in the wide bars days, it was a very limited scene that I was playing. It was just the blues scene. Did you ever travel outside of Florida at all for touring or? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, well, that's, that's coming up. That's coming up next. I'm jumping too far ahead. (laughs) That's all right. That's all right. Um, but yeah, so I, I had, I had a very limited exposure in, you know, in, in the overall scene. Right. So when I, when I joined the Danny Brantley band, he started getting gigs kind of all along the beaches and stuff like that. And that's what really exposed me to the larger cover scene. Right. Um, And that's when I started getting gig after gig after gig with all these different fill-in bands. Um, After Danny Brantley would have been um, Gary Schutt's band. I'm sure you know Gary Schutt. He's he's pretty big in the area. I played with him for about 10 months in, at the time, it was called Category 3. Now it's Panic Fire. And I also played in his Aussie tribute. That's where we start oh, going, yeah, going yeah. state hopping. Yeah. We played like South Carolina, Arkansas. We were uh, New Orleans. New Orleans was a so blast. So tell me some Aussie songs that you're covering there. 
Oh, we're doing was it we're Black doing, Sabbath and Ozzy. Or, yep, yep, yep. So you're doing a Geezer Butler and the the whole shebang. I was doing I was doing as much uh, Geezer and or oh my god, I am blanking on his name, and I'm going to I'm going to knock myself in the head if I don't think about Bob Daisley. That's yeah, it. yeah. Uh, I was doing yeah, so I was doing all. So of that. I mean, they still had blues based riffs in oh, their absolutely. music, even yeah. though they kind of took it in a different direction. Well, everything but, goes back to the blues, yeah, yeah, or at least everything in rock, right? <laughs> well, sometimes you listen to like some prog music. I got my Genesis shirt on. Oh yeah, it's oh, yeah. tough to hear blues and there. In, I mean, it's a little <laughs> bit there. I mean, it's yeah. all based around Western music theory of the 1800s, anyway. Sure, yeah, so yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, they were more classically inspired, especially the early stuff. Right, right. So Aussie band, well, now, yeah. Now, what was what was the name of that band? That was uh, Diary of an Oz Man. Okay, all right, yeah. There's a lot of uh, opportunities for cool cover band names there. Oh yeah, yeah. And the guy who did Ozzy, Craig, like if you if if he wasn't wearing the Ozzy getup, he would just look like your grandpa, right? And then you put the Ozzy wig on him, you put the glasses on him, and he starts moving around in that Ozzy way, and it's Dang. like, whoa. Yeah, well, and the, and the voice is such that if you can get that kind of nasally register, then mm-hmm. you can, and he did, yeah. he, he absolutely nailed it. You can nail it. So, so keep going. Uh, okay, so He's after like the Stephen King of bands, I mean, you just like <laughs> every six months. Um, in well, in bet- I should mention in between a couple of those, I also played a little bit with um, the Bearded Brothers. The Bearded Brothers are more Pasco, and they're like part of the biker scene and all that. Right. They played up in New Hampshire and whatnot. I played for a few months with them off and on. I got to go to South by Southwest with them. Oh wow, that was a blast. That's badass. Um, and then let's see other little other other tribute bands. I played with I played with a Kid Rock tribute for one show, a and it was like tribute. it was super short notice too. Like um, the guy who booked the bands was like, "Hey, they don't have their bassist. Can you play with them?" And we were all at Daytona for Bike Week. So I was like, I, I guess send me a set list. And I had learned I had to learn stuff so quickly. It Kid was insane. Rock. Cover band, <laughs> Daytona Bike Week. What could go wrong? Right? I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I got out of it unscathed, well, so I'm go. happy with there that. You go. Uh, let's see. I went back to Danny Brantley after that. And ever since then, it's been kind of a lot of fill-ins here and there. Let's see. Sweet Spot, Retribution, Hip Witch, Green Light Go. I played a couple of uh, shows with a Rolling Stones tribute called the U.S. Stones. Okay. Um, I played a couple of original gigs with this band Compound Melancholy. That's Jason Hobart's project, and he never that never that never really completely got off the ground. It was more just his sort of personal project, right. but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, let's see, Ted Lucas and the Misled. I actually ended up recording on an original album of Ted Lucas. Going to ask you about recording. Yeah. Uh, so the Ted, so the Ted Lucas album was fun. That happened in I think it was 2016. I had played an original show with him before in 2014. Um, but then he had been getting the itch to record again. So I uh so he called me up and he called up his drummer friend Ricky Wilcox and Joe Sanders for guitar and we ended up kind of just piling into this uh, small recording studio owned by Brian Merrill. He lives down in St. Pete and uh, it's, he's got a little backyard studio. He just calls it studio B right. Really cool setup. So we piled on in there. I think we recorded like six songs one day, four songs the next, literally just bang, bang through them, two takes, three takes and done. Right. And then I think I went back to re-record maybe two songs and then, uh, Ted redid the vocals. Ted redid the guitars. Uh, Joe came in to do a few solos, and that was it. It was done. It was like a super fast process, and the resulting album is King of Reverse, which is on Spotify now. 
That's bad. I, I think you sent me that was. I sent you the link. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So the bands, uh, are you playing at all right now, or are you completely shut down? I mean, I, have you started. It was. It was. It was kind of a tough call to make. Um, once. Once the pandemic started hitting, uh, obviously things got canceled, and I had no control over right. that. Were you making a living off of playing? Oh yes. Oh okay. yes. Okay. I, it was. It was my. It, it was literally my only job for about almost ten years. Oh wow. Yeah, I was I was full time. I was hanging in there and doing really really well actually. But then of course the pandemic hit and that kind of put a damper on everything. Uh, my my last gig was March fifteenth, and I haven't played since then. How's that been? It's been weird. It's been very weird. Going out anywhere is sort of a gamble, and I just didn't want to take the chance. Um, eventually, what happened? Because I mean, things got canceled because of shutdowns and stuff like right. that. But then, when things started opening back up, like right around Memorial Day or so, I was kind of put in this position of, well, do I play any new gigs or don't I play? And the biggest thing was, I have family at home that are immune compromised. Right. So I decided. I'm not going to chance it. I'm going to stay home and keep them safe, even though it's going to, you know, cost me something in my livelihood. Right. Uh, But, you know, the other part about it, too, is, I mean, there's the health factor of it. But, you know, what does a concert look like post pandemic? Like, you know, limiting the number of people, distancing you well, know, you have a merch table, any you know, like what, what, what all these things. That's that- a very good question. Actually, I'm actually I'm going to find out tomorrow. Oh well, there you go. Uh, because it'll I'll be playing my first gig in almost seven months tomorrow over in uh, Daytona. Oh really? I'll okay. be playing with an Elton John tribute called the Rocket Man Show. Nice. Yeah, and uh, they're doing they're doing limited seating. I think the seats are going to be spaced out accordingly. So it'll be a socially distant show, but it's still going to be a full on concert. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's got to be kind of part of the wave of the future of live music for at least a little bit. At least but, a little while. Yeah. But with the heavier stuff, the metal and the punk and all that stuff, I mean, what right. Is, you what, can't mosh anymore. Well, right. So <laughs> what does that look like? You Who know, knows, so. man? It's going to it's yeah, this is going to change things for sure. We just we just don't know how yet. And, you know, maybe when the vaccine comes, it'll be a little bit easier. It's hard to say right now. Everything's so up in the air. Now, do you write music too, or I do a little bit. Um, I, I what I say on my social media is that I'm a bassist, guitarist, singer, attempted drummer, occasional songwriter, producer, and nerd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's you're a renaissance man. So I try to be. So how where have you de- devoted your energy during the pandemic, if not playing live? Mostly coming back to projects that have been kind of on the back burner for too long. So like in the case of Danny Brantley, Danny Brantley is another one who has an original album. I gave you the link link for that. That's on Spotify too. That's called Born on New Year's Eve. Um, But we have a second album in the works. I've got multi-tracks just sitting on my computer. So I've been doing, I've been working on that. I've been getting back to mixing those and saying, hey, you know, we need to add this, 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 this. And so people have been, you know, sending me tracks remotely and stuff like that. Right. So I've been doing a little bit of that, doing old remixing projects that I wanted to do for a long time. Mostly that. And then I also sent you a couple of YouTube links. If you go to uh, Danny Brantley Band's YouTube page, we did a couple of quarantine covers recently. Oh, wow. And that was a lot of fun. That's cool. I think we did we did uh, John Mayer's Slow Dancing in a Burning Room. Yeah. And then for a contest via this group called Cover Nation, we covered Coldplay's Yellow. Okay. 
So that was cool. That's pretty badass. Um, so what type of music are you listening to these days? Are you are you all over the place? Or are you? I've always been all over the place. Yeah. yeah, I listen to everything. I mean, I'm looking around in your room here, and I'm just like, I like that. I like that. Yeah, I like yeah, that. Yeah. I like that. What does does that inform what you want to play? Like what you're listening to, or are you able to kind of? It's your left and your right hand do whatever when, when it when it comes to when it comes to playing in in cover bands and stuff like that. Like I did a uh, last year, I did a week with I was filling in for their usual bassist with uh, this band called Mix Signal, and yep. they're very much you know it's female fronted pop band. Right. They 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 do a lot of modern pop covers. They did like Dua Lipa and stuff like that. Uh-huh. So. That's not stuff I would normally listen to. Right. I appreciate it, but it's not like my wheelhouse. Right. So I still listen to that. I still appreciate it. But what I like and what I really get into, it's not necessarily stuff that plays well on the beaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Who are some of your bass player heroes? Oh, how long do you have? <laughs> give me give me three or, three or four or five. Uh, right off the top of my head, Mike Mills, of course. Again, yeah. REM. yeah. Um, Paul McCartney for sure, yeah. both for his bass playing skills and his singing skills, and then of course songwriting. Um, certainly, Getty Lee is up there. Uh, Rocco Prestia, who we just lost, uh, what was it, a little over a week ago now. Um, geez, who else? Uh, the pretty much the names you would expect in in classic rock, like John uh, John Entwistle, Chris yeah. Squire, yeah. Um, Robert DeLeo was a huge one from Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah. Love him. Yeah. James Jamerson, certainly. There's been this whole uh, a certain age of musical artists that come through here. All of them learn to play, uh, and the ones that learn to play bass from Green Day. And I, Mike Dern. Yep, <laughs> yeah, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So, no, Mike Dern's great, too. That whole Dookie album, I'll play along to that all day. That's yeah, great stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a big Mike Watt fan. I'm, Mike uh, Watt's great. Yeah, yes. The yeah, Minutemen. Yeah. Yeah. He just, uh, kind of a force of nature. You know? He's, he's a weird dude, but he's cool. He's well, not got only some... that, but he's writing his music around a bait. Like, yeah. Like, you know, very rarely is the person, person writing the song or arranging the song, the bass player. Right. You right. Know, right. Right. Always kind of the, the holding it down in the back. And so right, right. it's always interesting to see kind of that perspective on music. And that's, and that's kind of why I get into the, the more front man basis, like your Getty Lee's and your Paul McCartney's and stuff like that. Yeah. Or sting or, you know, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. They, sting, that's yeah. interesting. You know, I, I, he's a bass player and I never consider him as such. It's yeah. I mean, if you if you dig through some of that police stuff, it's heavily reggae inspired, but yeah. it's own it's also its own thing too. I dig the police. I'm a big police fan. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't. I don't think they get their due. I mean, they did for a while, but I guess it's because they've kind of they 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 tend to get they tend to ebb and flow in the uh, in the consciousness of the public. Well, Copeland's always the one who gets the most fanfare for being a you know gifted musician. So. And yeah, and the wild man drummer. Right, yeah. right, right. But right. Andy Summers is not nearly as recognized as he should be for his guitar playing. Yeah, yeah. And Sting, I mean, amazing songwriter. Amazing songwriter, vocally, mm-hmm. just just all of it. So uh, you got a show booked for tomorrow in Daytona. I do. I do. What other shows do you have booked? The only other show I have booked this year is um, just this private function. Also, funny enough, with the Danny Brantley Band, which that band technically hasn't played together since New Year's Eve 2017. Do you guys practice at all or do you just walk in and you know what you're playing and that's it? 
for a time, for a time, we just walked in and played. Yeah. Um, but every now and then we would rehearse and get together, especially if we wanted to go over some kind of new song. Yeah. I think we're going to end up doing maybe one rehearsal for this, kind of just a refresher course. Right. But a lot of what we play is not super complicated. We're not trying to, we're not trying to do, you know, all of Genesis Foxtrot or sure. anything like yeah. that. Yeah. So we, we usually can just sort of roll in and play the gig and roll out. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you have kids? I don't know. Okay. So, um, aside from music, what else is you, you mentioned nerd and all this other stuff. I see you got your star Wars. I've got my star Wars. Yeah. Is it, is it obvious? I'm like, yeah, I'm a huge star Wars nerd. Of course. Yeah. I love that. And I, and, and I know people have mixed feelings about the sequels. I like the sequels for what they are. You got to check out my buddy's band. His current band is wolf face, but he's got Mm -hmm. a hardcore band from, uh, Early two thousands called Next Season, and they're okay. a, they're a Star Wars inspired hardcore band. Ooh, I like it already. Yeah, yeah you gotta check it out. They're on Bandcamp. It's pretty cool. Band- okay, cool, cool, cool. What was it again? Name? Uh, Next Season. Next Season. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. So, well, I appreciate you coming in. Yeah, man, this has been awesome. So, uh, you you mentioned it a little bit, but where can people find some of your music? Uh, so the the especially YouTube. And the some- very first trial run album, or that technically the only trial run album. Was, uh, that was something I made back in 2009 with, uh, with my buddy JP. Technically, it was like a nine year process. Oh my God. <laughs> well, what happened was, I mean, we all, we all, we kind of had our own lives. Like we, we wanted to get together and we wanted to jam. We wanted to play. Um, and our early songwriting ideas were, eh, yeah. as they tend to be when, when you're starting to write stuff, it doesn't come out that great or yeah. it comes out too derivative. Exactly. Yeah. So we, so, you know, we wrote early stuff, but we never kept any of that stuff. And then a couple years later, we wrote some new stuff. And by 2005, we recorded kind of a majority of it. But at that point, I had moved to Florida and he had moved to Michigan. Okay. So we kind of had to finish the album from a distance. Remotely, yeah. Uh, so it took a while, and then finally we got to I uh, got the mixing process done, and we finished it in 2009. Actually, it'll be almost exactly 11 years. I think it's on the 13th. October 13th is when we released it, so it'll be almost exactly 11 years in a few days here. Wow. Uh, that's on Spotify. It's on YouTube. It's called The Rooftop Garage. Okay. It's mostly acoustic instrumental. Um, not 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 like amazing stuff but i was proud of, proud it. of it yeah yeah um and then there's uh i played and i played bass on the danny brantley album born on new year's eve also on spotify i played bass on that i played a guitar solo on one track a harmonica solo on one track um and i, I did all the mixing on that and then there's ted lucas king of reverse that was released i think uh two years ago right something like that and that's also on Spotify, on YouTube, pretty much anywhere you can stream music. What's the event you're playing tomorrow? It's just, uh, it's I guess it's just some sort of either Columbus Day weekend thing or I was playing Daytona. I've uh, well, the only time I played Daytona previously was yeah, the, that was the only time that was by Oktoberfest, and that was kind of its own its own thing because. Over the, like during during Biketoberfest, a lot of what happens is just in the bars. Yeah. So like at the time we had, I was I was playing with the Aussie tribute at Boot Hill Saloon, and I forget where the Kid Rock tribute was, but it was on a bigger stage and it was further over, kind of in the parking lot area of whatever bar that was. 
So, and that was just, that's just a lot of, you know, people coming in and out, checking yeah. it out, hanging out, screaming. Yeah! I'm just wondering, playing a bikers, <laughs> it, it seems like that would be an interesting uh, gig. That was how I started, though. Yeah, that's the yeah. that's the funny thing. Like, I was thinking of the chicken wire fence in front of the stage. <laughs> I know that's the movies, but that's kind of the... There was a place I played in Palmetto, probably 2005, 2006, called Peggy's Corral. Uh-huh. It has that vibe, yeah. for sure. You, they don't actually have the chicken wire, but you can picture it They probably easily. had it at some point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Now, do you book your own stuff or or how does that work? Do you just get called up from bands and say, hey, we got a gig you want to play? Or? Mostly I get called up on my, I, when I, the only thing I've ever booked for myself would be like solo shows, yeah. solo acoustic shows. Okay. Um, but everything else, usually someone else handles the booking and I just sort of show up and play. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, how are the, how are the live venues doing up your way in Newport Ritchie? Are a lot of them closing down? Are they kind of fighting for their life? Like we, they're, they're, they're struggling for yeah. sure. A lot of them. There, there was one place called, it used to be called the Carl Reef. It was just sort of the Carl Reef. Carl Reef, K A R L, named after the guy who owned it. So it was like a little, little spin on that. Uh, but it used, yeah, it used to be called that. And it was just sort of, you know, your local smoky. Um, but it was like, it, it was pretty much the quote unquote premier club of New York, Newport Ritchie. Right. And so I praise that's <laughs> <laughs> well, just just because it was the it was the biggest and most yeah, frequented right. and it would get the best bands, stuff right. like that. Uh, so, but they recently changed owners and they changed over to doing have uh, being non-smoking, number one, and having food, number two. And this was all before the pandemic. Well, they, they got so yeah, they, they got, got it, on the they, food part of that because I kept them open just in time. Yeah. yeah. So that was a smart move for them. And a lot and a lot of places, fortunately a lot of places who were doing live music were kind of the bar slash restaurants anyway. Right. So they're still they were still able to kind of stay alive by doing the whole takeout serving food thing. Right. Um but it's obviously a struggle anyway. Yeah. And 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 it's and it's just one of those things where yeah, like you said they're they're hanging on by a thread or they're not not necessarily hanging on by a thread, but they're they're just skating by. Well, if there's a if there's an upside to any of this, I'm I you know I, I've said it a, a bunch of times with other guests on the show, but I'm hoping that this uh, pushes people to support live music, to pay more right. attention to live music, because a lot of yeah. the national acts are not going to be touring right. for quite some time. So if you want right. to see live music, it's going to be a local band. It's pretty much going to be your only option. And yeah. So uh, hopefully that's kind of a, an annuity for local bands and local. It know, could venues. be a blessing in disguise. Right. You know, six months, a year from now, it could end up being kind of a new revolution. Yeah. If you're trying to find an upside for it, there's, there's opportunity there. Right. I mean, when you think about all of the big bands, all the national acts, international acts that came before, they all started pretty much the same. They started playing local dive bars as cover bands. You know, Beatles did that. Metallica did that. Yeah. A lot of bands did that. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned uh, Squire P-Bass was your first one. What do you play mostly these days? These days, I, I took the plunge and bought uh, a special custom one from a company based out of Poland called Maruszczyk. Okay. I love this bass. It's basically a five-string jazz bass, but on steroids. Okay. And it's just, it can play pretty much anything. It's, I featured it in the, uh, in the Danny Brantley YouTube video that I did for Yellow. Yeah. The thing sounds monstrous on that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so do you, are you picking up a guitar anymore or is it pretty much? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I still, I still noodle around on guitar. And especially now that, 
unfortunately, you know, we have to talk about Eddie Van Halen. He passed away. What was it? Two days, three days ago. Um, Of course, I am not Eddie Van Halen. No one can be Eddie Van Halen, but I can still attempt some of his riffs. Well, his his type of playing is not as popular these days as it was at the height of his music but it's undeniable i was watching a video started getting circulated this morning of when he was on saturday night live yeah and he and ge smith who used to lead the saturday right band playing together i know the clips you're talking about yeah just effortless just oh yeah like that was the one thing about eddie was his playing was always so just had that smile on he always had that smile on his face it just seemed so easy Mm -hmm. and you know, the, 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 the hammer-ons and the finger tapping and all, you know, all oh, this yeah. other stuff, you oh, know, yeah. you don't get quite as much of that in music now as you used to. But they unfairly, I think, get roped in with hair metal or hair rock or whatever. And I don't think that they were. Well, they I, were kind of the progenitors of that style. But in there a way. was much more legitimacy in, in every aspect of it. The instrument playing, the songwriting, the lyrics and all of that. The he, biggest thing was the songwriting. Eddie had hooks for days. He had hooks for days. The drums were bad. bad oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. Michael Anthony's voice yep. over top of David Lee Roth's yep. voice. I mean, as far as a, a showman, I mean, Diamond, you know. Can't beat that. Yeah. Yeah. So they were almost, they were almost like a not like a vaudeville but they almost had like a well dave definitely added a bit of a vaudeville element to it yeah and yeah. the rest of it was just the, the the thing i constantly see in whether it's whether it's rolling stone or any other kind of music magazine is heavy metal with a smile well so this i i posted when the day that it happened like i try to think of who is a fun rock band these days like a legitimate fun rock band and and you you have to you have to dig you have for to it dig for a little bit you really do because like, i don't know who you would who you well i mean first off you know the, the the radio the airwaves and the commercial scene is not populated by it's mostly ignoring rock music these days uh, completely yeah uh, it's um, it's kind of sad even 97 one they flipped it they, they used to play a lot of alternative rock so maybe miley it's cyrus mostly- is the new van halen <laughs> or, or whatever but <laughs> But yeah, it's 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 all gone either alt pop or straight pop or hard rock, and there's not the really much I of an in between. Is Foo Fighters? That's the only yeah. one that I can kind of land on, and I I dig the Foo Fighters, but they're not Van Halen. <laughs> oh no, 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 yeah, no. yeah. And so uh, I, I hope, I wonder, do you think there's ever a a uh, sea change that that might take over uh, front and center again? It's always possible. Yeah, it's always possible. Yeah, I mean, and especially now that Eddie's Eddie's passed on, I think what's happened, and, and and this happens anytime anyone passes on, is people are going to start recognizing the greatness for what it was. Yeah, you 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 are unfortunately kind of stuck in this world of context when you when you when you have someone that's alive and they you look like Motley Crue, for example. Yeah. Like everyone knows their story and they're kind of stuck in their own time. Right. Um, but once people start passing away, a lot of those myths and stories, like, yeah, they get told. You remember but the good also stuff get and the for- bad stuff kind of sheds off. Right. And the, yeah. The goofy stuff tends to get forgotten and you're able to look a little more purely at the music. Right. Right. And I think that's what's going to happen with Van Halen, whether it's now or a few months down the line. And people are going to start to realize and understand where Eddie and the rest of them were coming from. Right. And I think, and I think you might, you might end up seeing a sort of a wave of inspiration from that. Well, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, it's the, the good, good, you know, guitar driven, you know, instrument music is out there. You just, it's, gotta, oh yeah. You just got to work a little bit harder to get to it than. Well, like, the, like locally here, um, you know, a couple of the bands I played with 
guitarists were heavily inspired by Van Halen. Yeah. Heavily. Um, Gary Schott certainly hugely inspired by Van Halen. Matter of fact, he just uh, early released a track that he's going to be putting on his new album probably two days ago or something like that. And he, and it was, it's very, it's very 90, early 90s era Van Halen. Okay. Like it's got that, it's got that. Uh, OU812 or. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little. Sammy Hagar, yeah. Yeah. Was 5150 the first? 50, 5150 was the first Hagar, yeah. yeah. yeah that was 85, 86, uh, something like that. 86, I think. Because it's around Hagar that keyboards start coming into Van Halen. Yeah, I mean, um, 1984 was the first heavily keyboard driven album. That was yeah. the last Roth album. Yeah. Before different kind of truth, obviously, but yeah, then it's just yeah. occurring to me how many albums they have that have numbers in the in the title. <laughs> <laughs> there was there was 1984, 5150, OU812, yeah. and then of course you know Van Halen two, Van Halen three. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Why well, I, I was I uh, was last night I woke up in the middle of the night and I don't know why it occurred to me, but I was thinking. Uh, Van Halen is one of the only bands that is named after band members that isn't the leader of the oh, band. Oh, I saw that post. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and it's funny because if you read the answer, some people got what I was asking. Other people did it like everybody's yeah. winger, winger, winger. I was like, winger yeah. was the singer of the band. Right, right. Kip yeah. Winger. Yeah. yeah. Come on, yeah, man. Yeah. But, you know, and then Fleetwood Mac and Fleetwood uh, Mac makes sense. I, I can, I can, I can follow you with Fleetwood Mac or Montrose, which funny enough, you know, Sammy Hagar again. Right, right, right. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's rare. It's not, it it's, doesn't happen often. Yeah. No. Anyway, well, thank you so much for coming by. It was a yeah. pleasure to meet you. Yeah, you Your too, man. Your music's great. Uh, thank you. Uh, hopefully, everything gets back up and moving, and hopefully, better than ever with you. When it's when when uh, when everything starts coming back to a little more of a sense of normalcy, I will be ready. Bass strapped on me. I will be ready to scream and rumble. <laughs> well, this won't get released before your show tomorrow. So telling okay. people to go see you tomorrow, it will be in vain. But That's all right. But if 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 people are likely going to come see you, what are the bands that they're going to see you in? It's either going to be uh, More Is More, okay. which is Dave Erasmo's band, or it's going to be Phoenix, which is uh, fronted by an absolute banshee of a singer named Eileen Humphrey. She's okay. incredible. Okay. So it's going to be one of those two, most likely. All right. Well, keep your eyes out for more is more on Phoenix. Yep. All right. Thank you so much for coming by. Thank you. All right. <laughs>